Rewind, your week in review, is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate. This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review. The state Supreme Court rejects a lawsuit seeking to block attempts by lawmakers to impeach Justice Janet Protasiewicz. Plus, former House Speaker Paul Ryan predicts how the 2024 election could end poorly for his party. And the latest LGBTQ proposal introduced by Republicans that's triggering backlash from Democrats. All this and more on Rewind, your week in review for September 29th. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. J.R., we're going to start with the latest on impeachment. As this week, the state Supreme Court rejected uh, a liberal attorney's lawsuit that was seeking to dismiss or seeking to ban the state legislature from holding impeachment proceedings in the first place. Um, now, while Republicans have not started any impeachment proceedings against uh, liberal Justice Janet Protosiewicz, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss has said that he created a panel of former justices to review the process. So, you know, the judges, the justices gave no explanation for dismissing mm -hmm. this suit, but it was almost kind of this long shot attempt by a Madison attorney that was filed earlier this month. And we bring this up uh, now again because of this questioning of this panel that Voss has created. Now, a, a legal challenge was filed by the liberal watchdog group American Oversight that is seeking to basically have this panel that Voss said he created to have their meetings out in the open. Now, it's been unclear who's been on this panel. There's been one name that has floated out there who has confirmed that he got a call from Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, and that is former state Supreme Court Justice David Prosser. So American Oversight was in court today and is asking a judge hey, they should have the, they're violating the open records meeting law because they're meeting in secret. Well, we learned from Justice Prosser today that he only had lunch with some people to discuss, we don't really know what. So he's kind of now saying, I am not on a panel. I don't know what you're talking about. So there's now this confusion of what are they being asked to do? And is there some secret meetings that are going on? So this is kind of what the lawsuit is trying to get at. Um, there wasn't any really big decision today. It will be carried out. It's now going to be left in the hands of the Dane County District Attorney to investigate this panel. And even when Prosser was asked, well, who else is on this? He didn't share. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll learn in the next few weeks of what's going on here, or if we hear from Voss uh, on what he wants them to do and who else is involved. But first, let's just take a listen to an attorney from American Oversight arguing their case and hearing a little bit from Prosser um, about what he's being asked to do. We're taking Speaker Voss at his word that he created a secret panel. That's what he's told the media. That's what he's um, said in interviews. It's even uh, what he said in a podcast as recently as Wednesday. And it has the collective responsibility to do research and advise Speaker Voss about impeachment and create a written work product. Uh, it, it just uh, boggles my mind that all of this could be done in secret to the point where we don't even know who is advising the speaker on these issues. When the speaker called and asked if I'd look into this and give some advice to him, uh, the word panel never came up. It's not in that definition. And certainly we were not ordered to do 
anything. I'll just tell you frankly, three people had lunch together. It's it's just unrealistic to say that that is a governmental body. So the next court hearing on this issue will be October 19th. And JR, you spoke to Assembly Speaker Robin Voss this week too about more about this panel, if there is an, if there even is one right now. Um, what do you kind of tell you? So Voss told us uh, that really it's more like informal advice. He kind of like said, I'm not sure I'm going to release the, an actual report and there might not really be a report. It might just be kind of like informal advice. But he wants to release what he hears maybe, but basically kind of said, this is not a public body. This is not a formal process. This is more like I'm having some people tell me what they think. Um, so he really downplayed the idea this is a governmental body. Look, this lawsuit, American Oversight, don't forget, they filed a series of lawsuits against uh, the Assembly, Speaker Voss, over the Gableman investigation seeking records. They racked up a series of wins in court to get access to those records. Also rang up a seven-figure bill with the Gableman investigation added in for taxpayers. So they're kind of harassing Robin Voss, giving a hard time, really kind of putting pressure on him. Whatever word you want to use to say, what are you doing? and we don't want you to do it behind closed doors. Now with the lawsuit that was filed about impeachment, remember this lawsuit had asked the Supreme Court to say that, issued mercy injunction saying the assembly cannot do impeachment, period, for right now. And while that was in place, there would be time to brief a requirement that for anybody in the Supreme Court to be impeached, you'd have to get four justices of first day rise level of impeachment to go forward. Now, not to be flipped, but we kind of avoided a constitutional crisis <laughs> with them rejecting this lawsuit. Jenna Prosevich did not hear the case. She recused herself from it. Obviously, it's kind of geared toward her. But this is the difficulty about defining what is impeachable. Who defines that? If you're having the Supreme Court tell the legislative branch what it can and can't do, that's really uh, uh, an interesting question for lawyers, smarter than I am, to kind of figure out what, how that would work. Now, Tim Burns, who was a Supreme Court candidate two years ago, filed the lawsuit. He kind of told me that he thought it it maybe it helped pressure Voss to off or to back off things. Um, we've gotten a little bit of a lull in impeachment talk, but we're waiting for the next shoe to drop, which is any day now, in fact, maybe this afternoon, Pro Savage will say if she's going to take the case, if she's going to hear the resistant lawsuits. We expect any day, maybe the same time or shortly after that, the court to say, we're going to do blank with this lawsuit. Mm -hmm. We assume they're going to take it, right? Like we're all working off that assumption. You know what happens when you assume things, let's, let's work off of that, that timeline. The court of which hears the, says he's going to hear the case, the court takes it, then what's Robin Voss do? That's when the impeachment talk will really ramp up and we'll find out, do they have 50 votes in the assembly? Do they have justification for it? What do these justices say? I mean, this entire court process playing out right now in Dane County about the panel, this may be all over before we get to the next court sure. hearing yeah. telling us what's going on. And in that uh, filing for American Oversight, we also found out they actually filed a complaint with Ishmael Ozan, the Dane County DA, asking him to investigate an open meetings violation. We found out that Ishmael, uh, Ozan's office had told them it may take a while to get to this. That's why they went to court with a lawsuit, trying to force that they're trying to put pressure on Voss over this this whole, whole issue. Right, and I mean, that is exactly when it will come to head, is once Protosewitz makes a decision, mm -hmm. if she will hear this case as we expect, then we'll really get to know how serious Voss is about this impeachment threat. He's backed off a little bit saying, you know, almost kind of blaming the press. You guys are blowing this up so much, you know, that's not where I want to do. It's my last resort. 
if she doesn't recuse, well, 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 it's likely she won't. So that's what I think a lot of a lot of focus is on, and why we keep following this topic, because, like you said, any day now we could find out um, what she ultimately decides to do um, officially when she either takes up those redistricting pair of redistricting cases. Now, Republicans have long argued about her calling the maps rigged, and they've also criticized Protostavitz running on a you know, uh, in support of women's reproductive rights, which leads into our next topic, because it's now been almost two weeks now that Planned Parenthood has resumed services at their Madison and Milwaukee clinic based on their belief from a July ruling from a Dane County judge who indicated that the 1849 abortion ban doesn't apply to consensual abortion. So they're going off of that. This triggered pro-life groups, anti-abortion groups, uh, to call on district attorneys in Dane and Milwaukee County to enforce the 174-year-old law that outlaws abortions in nearly all cases except to save the life of a mother. Now, this is almost a long shot call mm-hmm. because even on, you know, Ishmael Ozan, the Dane County um, uh, District Attorney's website, saying he will not enforce this law. We've also heard from John Chisholm, the Milwaukee County District Attorney, saying it's so archaic, we're not going to do it. So they brought this to light, and this also comes as I learned earlier this week that the Sheboygan County Clinic, Planned Parenthood is working to reopen that one. That's what I think could complicate this process because we know Sheboygan County District Attorney uh, um, Joel Ermanski has said he would like to enforce that law. So if they do open that, things can get a little problematic per Mm -hmm. se, but the whole argument from advocates uh, who are against abortion is that they believe it's illegal because of this lawsuit has yet to make a final decision over enforcement of the 1849 ban. So it's kind of just watching where we go from here and what happens if the Sheboygan Clinic opens up. If you listen to the advocates during the news conference, it wasn't clear what they were going to, how they're going to force the DAs in Milwaukee and Dane counties to take action. It was kind of like, well, we hope they're going to be, feel pressured to do it. Well, by whom? Like, what's going to happen? You're going to file a lawsuit? You're going to, like, actually go to court and try and enforce it? Because there is no interest by either of those two uh, prosecutors to go after people. So, yes, we are still waiting for a final word from the Dane County judge about whether uh, the 1840 law applies to abortion, period. Remember, she has ruled it applies to feticide, not to abortion at all, and that uh, there is no ban on consensual abortions in Wisconsin, period. We'll see where that goes. But this is really kind of a... We want you to take action, but how are you enforcement to take action? And I don't really get what they were going to do beyond, like, say, they should do something that we think is right. They yeah, should do. I asked them even the day before the press conference, I mean, is this going to be legal action? Are you going to file some challenge seeking to, to halt services at Planned Parenthood? And they said all options are on the table. Um, they were also asked about the situation in Sheboygan, and I talked to uh, Pro-Life Wisconsin, and they said, uh, I, you know, they're a little skeptical that Planned Parenthood is going to open Sheboygan because of what Ormansky said. So let's just kind of take a listen to what they had to say at this press conference and the possible scenario of the Sheboygan Clinic as well. Planned Parenthood um, is perpetrating um, this crime, this violation of the law, and um, they are to be held accountable. Not the mother uh, seeking the abortion, but those providing the abortion. Why is Planned Parenthood uh, performing these abortions now while the state ban is in effect? Because they know they can get away with it because of the two DAs in Milwaukee and Dane County. They can't get away with it in Sheboygan County. 
And the last thing I want to add on this is I did reach out to Ermansky, and since he's involved in this lawsuit, he sent me back his affidavit, affidavit that he applied or that he sent to the court um, about two weeks ago. Um, arguing against his, the judge's decision from July, which she believes doesn't, the 1849 ban doesn't apply to consensual abortions. And he said in that affidavit, while he disagrees with the judge's decision, he's going to refrain from now from enforcing it. So this really could get interesting mm-hmm. once and if uh, Planned Parenthood op- opens up, because they said they will soon, but right now is they have a staffing issue. Um, so we'll see when they do that, because they didn't even give me a definitive date on when they would like to open that. Moving on to looking ahead to the 2024 presidential election. I bring this topic up because former House Speaker Paul Ryan was on the UW campus um, having a speech and dialogue, looking ahead to, uh, I guess, I wouldn't even say looking ahead, more of warning of some dire circumstances for his party if former President Donald Trump is the eventual nominee. Now, this isn't the first time uh, Ryan has spoke openly uh, against Trump and has encouraged others to get behind someone else. Uh, So he kind of laid out certain scenarios that basically he believes uh, Trump will lose or uh, the party will lose in 2024 against Joe Biden if Trump is the nominee. Um, He also stressed the importance of the wow counties and getting those suburban moms who many of them don't like Trump um, to find an alternative candidate. He put it in a sense of the first fresh face that either party puts forward could win in 2024. And he even played that scenario out if there was another Democrat that decided to go up against Joe Biden. Let's take a listen to something, uh, to what he had to say about that. I think leaders should endeavor to be honest, ethical, moral people who try to set standards for themselves and lead by example to the rest of the country. Donald Trump doesn't try to do any of that. So I just don't think he's fit for the job. Given Biden's weaknesses, um, he just is weak in the polling. I think you also have to make another argument, which is he's just unfit for office. Let, let me put it this way. The party that puts the first fresh face forward wins this election. If the Democrats somehow swap out Biden with I don't know who, they're going to win. If we swap out Trump, an easier I think something easier to do, frankly, we're going to win. This comes as also there was the second uh, Republican presidential debate on Wednesday. That, of course, was pretty testy of those who watched it. It was a lot of shouting matches. But even Ryan said, you know, he believes anyone on that stage besides entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, he believes can, you know, you know, be a, a second best option to Trump. And this all comes as a time, as we see national polls to JR, that there's still two-thirds of Americans who do not want to see the same matchup between mm-hmm. Biden and Trump heading into next year. There are polls at this point. They're interesting, but I think I'm all the grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, Trump is not really back on um, Twitter, for example. We see some sh- uh, truth justice posts once in a while that people think are a little bit fascinating, interesting, uh, say politely. So once he's a little bit more in the public eye, will that change? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So they're what they are. But I found one very interesting this week in light of what Brian's saying. Uh, this liberal group did a poll of Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, trying to gauge where voters are at in these kind of key three swing states. Looking at the Wisconsin numbers, done by public policy polling, a Dem firm, you know, it was Biden plus four on Trump, margin of error plus or minus three point eight points. So a little bit of an edge for Biden, but not a huge lead or anything. What I found fascinating was. They asked a question, if Trump's convicted, would it change your vote? 
17% so to make them more likely to vote for Donald Trump if he's convicted one of the three or four indictments now against him. A plurality said they have no difference on their vote. Now, I didn't break down the partisan makeup of those answers, but it illustrates the challenge for Republicans like Ryan who are saying, this can't happen, we can't win with this guy. There's no sign, or no sign so far that Trump is losing favor with the base. Now, it's still end of September. Uh, we have three m months and change until Iowa and see how real votes actually happening. Um, there's lots of stuff that could happen, but nothing's really moving the Trump numbers. So if you're Paul Ryan, what do you do? Uh, the base is locked in. These indictments aren't having an impact on voters. In fact, Republicans looking at polling think they're suspicious of all of them, think he's being persecuted. Um, and then, but if you're a Democrat, do you feel good about Joe Biden right now? I mean, the age issue, even though there's only a three-year gap or four-year gap between him and Trump, continues to pop up in polling about Joe Biden. They're having a hard time breaking through on the economy. They keep talking about how Bidenomics are working, right? The chat and you know inflation is getting better. It is, but if you're somebody who's paying twice as much for our whatever it was, eggs were a buck whatever 2020. Now they're three bucks a dozen, whatever it is. Kind of eggs you buy. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as bad as it was before, but they still cost more, right? Everything is so more expensive, and it's a hard thing for Democrats is that sure we all look at like the economic years ago. You know what? Things aren't doing too badly. Like there's some good stuff going on. But it's how, as you're a voter, if you're a swimmer, how do you feel at home? How does it affect so your checkbook? Many, so many voters vote with their wallet, yeah. exactly, yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, you're telling me things are getting better, but I'm still paying more at the grocery store every week. That's what voters are thinking. So it's real fascinating, the dynamic of those candidates and what, you know, like uh, the establishment for Democrats are all behind Joe Biden. The base is kind of going, I want somebody different. The establishment for Republicans are all against Donald Trump. The base is going, we want this guy. It's a fascinating dynamic for the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another thing that Ryan noted is that February will be kind of a key area to watch in this uh, Republican uh, presidential group because that is right around when Super Tuesday will be, which is the single biggest voting day mm -hmm. um, across the United States when a lot of states hold primaries, more than a dozen states, but not Wisconsin. That's yeah. until April. So that would be kind of the true test to see who's who's making it out of there and whether or not, I mean, he also suggested like come after the Iowa caucuses, like please start dropping out. Like it's so <laughs> hard to, you know, bring everyone together behind one candidate when there's still, you know, seven of them running. So it will just be interesting to see. I think there's another debate uh, that's coming up that they're thinking about holding. I, you know, depends if everyone participates or not. I think after that could also be another sign of, mm -hmm. are you going to keep going or not? And do you have the money to keep going yeah. as well? All right, back to state politics. We're going to talk about another controversial bill that was introduced by Republican lawmakers dealing with gender trans transition treatment. Uh, the transgender youth would be unable to receive gender transition treatment under legislation proposed by Representative Voss, Senator Dewey Strobel, and Representative uh, uh, Scott Allen. And this is kind of the latest uh, bill that has been introduced in a very series of what Democrats call attacks against the LGBT community. Um, and even the LGBTQ caucus said in a statement that this demonstrates, quote, cruelty from Republicans in the Wisconsin legislature. And, you know, we've seen this similar stuff come up before. What the bill would specifically do would ban healthcare providers from conducting or making referrals about certain medical practices to uh, individuals under the age of 18. I believe there are no criminal penalties, but you'd lose your uh, medical license if you were uh, violating this ban. Like this is 
the front on the culture wars going on right now because Republicans lost the battle on gay marriage. They pretty much lost an abortion if what we're seeing in the last couple of cycles or where Americans are. This is one where they feel like they have an upper hand. Uh, Robin Voss telegraphed this bill back in the summer at the GOP state convention that it was coming. There's other, another bill that was uh, certainly the same day that would allow those who had a surgery to, uh, as a minor to file a lawsuit against a provider for, if they had some kind of uh, ch- issue with it. Up until they were 33, I think, this is going to try and put Democrats on, on the defensive about this because you're talking about minors having surgery, for example, uh, those kinds of things. They feel like you look at the polls, the public isn't there on that with where Democrat, a lot of Democrats are. This is the kind of the culture front, the war, culture war front they can win, they think. Right, and it's another thing to add to when they're out campaigning, mm-hmm. you know, whenever they are, if they're up for re-election, they can bring this up saying, hey, I tried to do this because we know ultimately Governor Tony Evers is almost certain to veto this legislation. If these bills, don't, like, where do they fit in what drives voters? That's what I was going to ask. If you look at the key issues that people vote with, I mean, we just talked about the economy. Yeah. Checkbook, my yeah. kid's school, Schools. public safety. Where does this fit? And if you're, if you're really motivated by this bill, were you not with Republicans already? Those are questions I kind of ask. All right, let's move on to the Department of Natural Resources because this week a Senate committee voted to reject more of Evers' appointees to sit on the DNR board. If you take a look at your screen, these are the names with X's over their faces that were uh, rejected by the committee, and there was only one appointment that advanced uh, by paper ballot, which was a former dairy farmer, Paul Brune, who was unanimously approved. And this just speaks to the ongoing challenge, not only with Governor Evers' appointees, but the the thing, the arguments that have come to head with the DNR board coming, you know, that exhausts from even Preen, who was the former secretary, of him remaining on the board trying to keep control of it. Yeah, so we should have known there were problems last week. There's a public hearing, and Sandra Nas, who was the one who was blocked by Fred Preen from taking a position, was appointed in uh, May of, spring of 2021, had to wait until Preen stepped down at the end of 2022 to take her spot. There's a law on the books that if you produce, an agency produces a rule that costs more than $10 million over two years for business or taxpayers, it requires legislative approval. You basically, you can't advance that rule. She was asked, would you advance a rule that costs, that basically violates that law? And she said, yes. That did not sit well with Republicans because they're like, wait a second, you're going to ignore the law? So there was that, another one of the ones who was, voted against and committee kind of said, we'll have to think about it. Again, not a great answer. You're talking about Republicans who are saying, we don't want you to break the law, we want you to follow things as is. So now what's important is these guys still go to the floor of the Senate. So negative vote committee doesn't end your nomination. You are still in that spot. The question is, with Devin Lemahue, what's he going to take up on the floor? And there's this thing called the Rule of 17. Uh, it's an informal rule in the Senate, but Republicans had it for a long time where you have to have 17 GOP votes to approve anything or it's not going to the floor. They don't always follow it. Sure. Uh, Craig Thompson, for example, uh, Transportation Secretary, confirmed in 2021 with fewer than 17 GOP votes. He got 15, but it was uh, only had four votes against him. It was an overwhelming vote in favor of his confirmation. So now with these Natural Resources Board appointments, will they all come to the floor? Will they all be voted down? There are others that will watch. Uh, Melissa Balda, for example, a former Deputy Chief of Staff for Governor Evers, she was appointed by Evers to a council on domestic violence. She's a domestic violence survivor. There was a committee vote last week. They voted against her confirmation. 
In doing so, uh, Jesse James, a senator who chairs that committee, raised concerns about Baldoff's old tweets. Remember, you know, Baldoff worked for the governor in communications. She has sparred, to put it lightly, with Republicans on a number of issues. And she told me that during a Zoom call, Jesse James asked her if she was, she hated all men, essentially, and if she was emotional when she made some of these tweets, which she found off-putting. That said, okay, they might not confirm her that body. Or will they just let it sit? Just say, okay, we vote against the committee, just let it sit. It's not that important to vote her off. But you could see a number of people get rejected. We, this week, uh, Public Service Commission, uh, Tyler Hubner, who's a commissioner, been there for a little while. He was grilled about these policies by the PSC to uh, basically collect uh, diversity information, all right, saying, we don't like this. He could be in trouble. Again, will they put him on the floor? Will they vote him down? That's the big question for a lot of these uh, appointments. And and while they're nitpicky, Republicans, when they do have these uh, hearings and ask questions, I mean, this is all part of the process. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if roles were reversed, I'm sure what happened, too, that they try to pick little things in people's histories and bring them to front. You know, even heard DHS Secretary uh, Kirsten Johnson, she also testified. She was questioned quite a bit about COVID and whether you're not going to, are you going to force mask mandates again? Mm -hmm. She kind of eased back about that. Her, you know, reasoning was, we've learned a lot since the pandemic. We know going forward, but it just kind of shows that this is kind of how the process works. You're essentially going to get grilled if you want to be in one of these positions, but we're seeing it more, not so much with even just secretaries. It's now trickling down to many lesser known appointments too, yeah. like you said, with Baldoff and, and, and her uh, position that she's seeking as well. Uh, quickly, let's just touch on the Brewers' latest with the stadium bill. Um, this happened actually over the weekend on, on, on upfront. Uh, Representative uh, Bob Robert Brooks, the co-author of this bill, uh, mentioned that he expects many changes to this $700 million bill, which includes lowering the contribution from uh, the city of Milwaukee and the county. That is something that they have asked for. Uh, they think the $2.25 million is way too much. That could be lowered roughly around somewhere 135 range is what we're thinking of what we've heard. So that is something to watch for next week because on Thursday there will be the first public hearing on the Brewers bill, which will be held in West Allis. So more to come on that. Let's get to stock picks this week in rising and surface water standards. So, and it may not be a permanent rising. Let me explain. So the DNR... Uh, Natural Resources Board approved stricter standards for water. Um, there are questions over from the business community, does it exceed that $10 million rule, that requirement? So we could see one of two things. One, uh, you could see Wisconsin Manufacturing Commerce file a lawsuit challenging it on that grounds. And two, all these rules have to go through review by the legislature. Lawmakers come in and say, no, this is too much. We're going to nix it. So maybe a temporary win, but a win right now for environmentalists. All right, and mixed this week is DSPS, who we know have been struggling with trying to process many, many licenses uh, across the state. They've asked for more staff in the state budget. That got denied, so they kind of had this other possibility to get more funding for positions, and they're stuck again. Yeah, they're doing really well, actually. They've cut down the wait time. It was like 46 days in October of 2022. They're down to about three. Great. But they went back before finance and asked for more jobs again, more positions that were denied. Now, part of it is during the budget process, they'd asked for uh, additional positions and joint finance said, no, we're going to give you a fourth of what you asked for. And the argument was, you have these many more positions, you have all this new technology process stuff, you should be okay. Let's see how it goes for now. Less than two and a half months after signing the budget, they're back asking for more. Folks are like, look, we just told you, see how it works. Let's just see how this all plays out. The challenge for discipline going forward is 
There are about a dozen jobs right now funded with federal money, uh, COVID-19 money that Governor has put in place to try and speed the processing. They run out at the end of 2024. So don't be surprised if this business isn't back again saying, hey, these jobs are running out, use more money. That may be where you really see action because you could see reduction of 12 jobs the last six months at the biennium, but what they've got going on so far, they've, they've really progressed. Part of it is, and Republicans will tell me that um, they think Dan Harris, the new secretary or newer secretary, has done a great job managing the situation, understanding what's going on and getting things moving. Uh, so they say, hey, let's give him a shot, keep it going with what he's got. All right. And following this week is Mike Queensland, who resigned as the Senate chief clerk over there's some very unclear um, uh, reasons why. So we deal with rumors a lot in this job. Very and true. I don't want to be salacious at all, but I have never covered a story that was so airtight in the 23 years I've been here, that could be very, very, a very, very bad story. So we don't know what Mike Queensland did. We know the consequences, though, of his actions because he resigned. We have not got a report yet. I don't want to get into rumors, but um, we are looking for a report that was done about these allegations. It could come out maybe next week, maybe the week after, to find out what's going on. But uh, in talking to people, it's the message from leadership has been to senators, don't ask about it, don't talk about it. It's ramped up the expectation. This has got to be something bad if this guy stepped down from this job. Uh, and it's just, it's a really odd story. And you're just kind of curious what's going to come next out of it. Right, and in a position that he held for many years. So, all right, stay tuned. That will do it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. We will see you next week. This program was brought to you from Wisconsin Eye's Margaret Farrow Studio. Rewind. Your Week in Review is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate.